Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Slim, Fitty, and Biggie Committee podcast, where me and my best friends, Danny and Matt, take a deep dive into hip-hop, the genre that has formed an integral part of our lives. Please like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at the underscore Slim, Fitty, Biggie Committee, and stay tuned for any upcoming podcast news. Coming up on today's show, I caught up with up-and-coming Canadian rapper Versus, who has already worked with artists such as King Crooked and Royster 59. He also recently released his album Invisible, as well as a follow-up single, Raw. It was great speaking to him, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Alright, let's get into it. Alright. Well, thanks for joining us, Versus. Um, I actually came up and found your stuff after I've been a big fan of Royster 59 for a while and then I saw you collab with him and got me into, you know, following your music and then obviously, you know, seeing if I could get you on the show. Um, and it's actually quite interesting because you're quite a young rapper in terms of your career. I've seen that, you know, on your Spotify and things like that, you've only had music out since 2018. So um, I'm always interested in you know, the journey of a hip-hop artist, the journey of, you know, people heading into more of a creative space. Um, so I thought I might let you kind of take the the baton and kind of run with it. So what kind of got you into the journey of hip-hop? Yeah, so um, I actually started writing at a young age. So you're absolutely right. I only started re- releasing music on like Spotify and all those platforms recently, uh, 2018, as you said. Uh, but I was writing uh, way before that. Um, that was the first thing that really got me into hip hop was was the lyrics, right? I started listening to uh, uh, some classic hip hop albums, started writing myself, um, and then I was like, why not, why not try to record this? So initially, you know, it was just a, a hobby kind of thing. Um, and then once I started releasing the first songs, I saw some people connected, some people related to it. Um, and yeah, I just figured out this this was my passion and this is what I really want to do. So I just kept being more consistent, kept releasing more. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, I, I'm starting to collaborate with bigger artists and with people I've looked up to for a long time. So it's been a pretty interesting journey for sure. So how, how young were you when you started writing? When was the fascination with hip hop? Um, I was probably 15, 15, 16. Yeah. So pretty young. Uh, it was probably horrible in the beginning. Yeah. Not gonna lie, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, that was definitely the element of hip hop that, got me into it was the lyricism and uh, expressing all the emotions in, in the most pure form possible uh, and just saying anything that is on your mind, getting things off your chest. Uh, and at that time, that was something I really needed and that really helped me get through a lot of things. Um, and yeah, from, from there, um, started recording and it got more serious pretty quick. And so what was the journey from, you know, you start writing when you're 15, 16, you, yeah. you have a go and then getting to a point where you're like, okay, I think I'm ready to start recording music. What's that journey like? Uh, I think it's, it's a lot of practice and a lot of, lot of days in, in the room kind of rapping by myself and show, in the beginning, you only show your friends and your family and the people around you and you can kind of get a feel. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone's going to be nice to the beginning. No one's yeah. going to tell you. <laughs> uh, but um uh, and then, uh, and then I think, I think, yeah, once I was comfortable with it, I, I really wanted that experience of trying it out in the studio. I wanted to know what it felt like to be in the booth and, and to be in, in that environment, uh, that, that, you know, we're used to seeing with, uh, with artists that we look up to. Um, and slowly I started putting out music. I think my first, um, 
the first project I released was a mixtape called uh, Hell in Heaven um, that was only released on SoundCloud. So none of that stuff is on, is on Spotify or the, or the streaming platforms. Um, and yeah, I, I, I noticed, uh, I mean, in my opinion or for what people tell me as well in the last two, three years is where the quality really started to, to get better. Um, uh, and where I started improving a lot. And as I said, working with bigger artists and now, now this is for sure what I want to do. So it's good to have that, that feeling where you know what you want to do and you know, this is your passion and, and what you want to pursue. So, yeah. And so, cause hip hop, you know, it, it definitely in my life hasn't been something that's very open and welcomed. How was it for you in terms of, you know, young growing up, you're into hip hop. Did your friends, were they into hip hop as well? Or was it kind of difficult getting into that world? Yeah. I, so when I started writing, um, I was actually living in France. I wasn't in Canada yet. I was doing my high school in France. Uh, I, I've always been pretty lucky with my family being supportive and not having anything against the genre and the music. Uh, actually, my dad is probably the first one that played a hip hop album for me. So awesome. I, I probably owe that to him. Do you remember which one it was? Yeah, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was uh, the Eminem show 2002. Love that. That album was probably the first one. Yeah. Uh, without me and all that. Yeah. I was seven years old at the time. So. <laughs> I, you know, took me by surprise, but always something I got into pretty, pretty quick. But uh, my, my friends were, some of my closest friends were into hip hop, so they definitely supported it. Um, and, and that's definitely something important. So yeah, it's a good question you asked because you need that support to kind of get the confidence you need to keep going. Um, there's, there's a lot of failure that will happen. And as I said in the beginning, you know, no, no one's going to know who you are. No one's going to listen. But if at least you know the people around you are, are supporting you and they have your back, um, that's, that's definitely a good thing. I, did it, I, I, would, I would say I didn't grow up in like the typical hip-hop environment that most artists and rappers grew up in. It was definitely different, but I always had the support from my family and friends. So that helped a lot. Awesome. Yeah, because I know in my life, my mom always said to me, your yeah. love of hip-hop is a phase. You're going to grow out of it and you're going to learn right. to listen to normal music. Um, and that's never happened. So I'm actually quite happy with a fear of ours um, that I would listen to hip hop forever. But turns out hip hop to me just somehow suits my ears. But you talk about yeah. your, you didn't have that traditional growing up. What, mm -hmm. in terms of where you grew up, obviously, you know, you moved from France to Canada. Yeah. And what was, what was your growing up like? So what was the inspiration to move into writing? You said you were going through some cha challenging times as well. Yeah. So um, my life, I, I've kind of been traveling since I was a kid. Um, as, as you said, I moved from France to Canada. That was kind of the last time I moved country, but I've lived in various places across the world. And I think that definitely helped me get more stuff to write about, more background, more culture to absorb everywhere I went. I definitely think that played a key role. Um, but yeah, during high school, uh, definitely went through some challenging times, uh, and I'm sure that it's kind of felt through the lyrics if, if for anyone that listens to my music, it, they can kind of tell, um, I mean, typical stuff as a, as a teenager, I guess, uh, that plus some, uh, you know, I, I talk in a lot of songs about my OCD. I had, I had that growing up. Um, and so it was always a way for me to kind of release the stress and the tension when I was writing and express everything I wanted to say and, and, and pretty much clear my mind because that's, that's what OCD does to you. You start overthinking everything. So usually when, when, I, when I had those thoughts, I would just write them down and it would help to cope with it. And, um, and now that my music is kind of 
being listened to more than, than in the past. Uh, I, I do realize how many people can relate to that. Uh, no matter, it can be OCD or any other thing, really anything you're going through. Uh, lyrics are, are a very important way of, uh, of getting, your, getting things off your chest. And, and it's probably one of the greatest things in hip hop is when you relate to a song, right? And, and you feel the or you feel the artist. That's probably what connects people so much in hip hop. So. so how did you find, you know, having OCD and then releasing music? Like it's, it's hard to do because I think everybody, when they start, they want to have the perfect song. And then at some point you realize that what's perfect is for you to start. You just got to start somewhere. No song is ever perfect and no, right. no, no rapper is ever perfect until they start yeah. releasing music. So how did you overcome that kind of battle? Yeah. Perfectionism is definitely kind of an obstacle. It can be a good and a bad thing because as you said, you're recording a song and, and you want it to be perfect. You want people to see it as perfect. And, and the truth is that will never happen. Everyone will always have a different opinion. It might be someone's favorite song. And then your, your other friend might, might think it's complete trash and doesn't like it. So I think the key is, is just to understand that from the get-go. Like the earlier you understand that, the better it will be. Um, and just do whatever you feel is right. Well, once you have a song that means something to you, uh, you, you really never know what can happen. Some of, some of my biggest songs are, are songs that maybe are not my favorite. And then some songs that I think should be up there are not, and people can relate to less. So you really never know what is going what, what, what to be successful. So I think you, just, you should probably redefine success. And as long as you like the song and you like what you're putting out and you're proud of it, um, then it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard because everyone listens to classic hip-hop albums. And yeah. those are almost perfect even those have you know the limitations some tracks aren't as good as others uh, but you listen to a perfect hip-hop album and then you're like okay that's really tough so um yeah. it's important obviously to learn and grow so for you what were your inspirations in terms of hip-hop who did you learn your craft from who were you like okay i'm going to study this and go yeah. see what they do especially lyrically yeah so first one would be Eminem. I know it's a pretty stereotypical answer, but it's just what it is. As I said, first album I heard was an Eminem album. Uh, and, uh, and I could relate to a lot of, of what he was saying in the songs. And that's what got me into the, the kind of complexities of lyricism and the multi-syllable rhyming and the wordplay. I was always obsessed of how, how M could, could bend words and, and, and still say so much and so many meaningful things while playing with the words and, 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 and bending the syllables. It's just, it still, still impresses me to this day. So that was definitely one of them. And then through that, I got into Royce, uh, Crooked, uh, the whole Slaughterhouse, which now unfortunately isn't a thing anymore, but the whole Slaughterhouse. Uh, and then I started digging deeper and going to back to the classics, Tupac, Biggie, Nas, um, then newer stuff, Kendrick, Cole, uh, some Drake as well, mainly some of the older Drake albums. Uh, so yeah, uh, definitely lyricism is always up there for me. Um, it's interesting to see when I mentioned Kendrick, Cole, and Drake, how, how they're adapting kind of the lyricism to the more modern sound in hip-hop today. Uh, so that's definitely always interesting for me to see how, how lyrical you can be on, on the modern beats because it's definitely different. It's a different vibe. Um, so yeah, those are the artists. I mean, I, I really listen to anything. King Lowe's, I should mention. Um, cause I was able to work with him as well. And that, that was a dream come true for me. Cause I looked up to King Lowe's a lot. So, yeah. 
And so you mentioned beats because for me, the thing that got me into hip hop was beats before lyricism. I had to learn how to listen to lyrics. It was okay. the, I've said this before, but 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying was the first album I ever listened to. Um, yeah. It just blew my mind. It was so different to anything I'd ever listened to before. So how do you attribute the change in beats? How do you think the, the genre is heading? It's definitely a huge change in terms of music going towards more of the trappy vibe versus the boom bap in the 90s. Yeah, I, I actually like it. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, there's a lot of things about the new rap culture and, and mainly in the lyricism that are kind of, in my opinion, going in the wrong direction. But beats wise, it's, it's never something that bothered me. Because uh, I, I think, as I mentioned, there's artists that can still do it very well and can still rap and be lyrical on the modern beats and, and it sounds good. I mean, the reason most of the mainstream uh, artists uh, that you'd hear on the radio every day are, are not that lyrical is because they can have success because the beats are that good that they make the entire song. So if you are able to implement your lyrics with such a beat, uh, I think that's just the winning formula. So, um, and a lot of artists are doing it very well. So yeah, the, the, the change in beats is, is something I really like. Um, I would say the only change that, I, that I'm not that appreciative of is, uh, is the change in lyrics that you'd find in, in the mainstream uh, hip hop. In what way? What is it that kind of, you know, cause you focus on lyrics a lot, so. Yeah, so again, there, you, you will always find the artists that are still lyrical today. I'm just talking in a more general way, like very mainstream way. If you look at the BET nominations as a recent example, um, the lyrics are, are definitely not uh, that impressive. I, I think that there was a tendency to to dump things down for the audience in the recent years, at least in the mainstream radio. Again, you, if you dig deeper, deep enough, you'll always find amazing lyrical artists, and there there are still a lot of them today. Um, but when people say hip hop now to a to an average hip hop listener, uh, most of the artists they will name are are mainstream artists that are are really not that that lyrical, and it's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, the audience decides and the market decides. Uh, but I feel like that was a that was a big change. If you if you probably compare what was considered mainstream in the '90s or the early 2000s to what to what is considered mainstream now, there's a big big difference in lyrics. Um, it's kind of dumbed down. It's easy for everyone to understand, and that's probably why so many people can relate and vibe to it in clubs, for example, or bars. Uh, it's it, it is because the the lyrics are kind of dumbed down, in my opinion. Yeah, and I also think that you touch on something important. They've the voice has gone to more of an instrument where, you know, yeah. back when in the origins of hip hop, it voice was still an instrument, but it was the message that was carried forward was as yeah. important. Whereas it feels like now the the move is, especially some artists, the yeah. voice is just there as a vehicle to carry the the song forward and carry the track forward versus actually delivering a message. But as you said, people like it and if it gets more people into hip-hop you know as, as a fan i'm always like it's always good for us so yeah. um it's yeah, a big exactly. win yeah awesome yeah, and, and so i've seen that you've been releasing music consistently like for the past two years three years you haven't stopped recording you haven't stopped working on your project how do you keep that intensity how do you keep that drive and that energy moving forward to always release new music well, first of all, it's what I like to do. So to be completely honest, it's, it doesn't come that hard because what, once again, once it's your passion and, and it's something you love, it doesn't feel like work, right? Um, and second, it's, it's just, in my opinion, especially coming up and not having a, 
an established name like uh, like most of the bigger artists we know, uh, it's important to be consistent. It's very important. You might you gain some fans and then you you don't release enough music consistently and you might lose them. Um, and uh, and also, I guess I just have a lot to say because I'm I'm, I'm getting started. So uh, you know, there's there's always material. There's always things I want to say, things I want to get off my chest. So it, it's not that hard to to write new material. Um, so yeah, that's what, how I keep the energy going. It's always interesting. I always, I always want to know what my fans think of this track. It's the hardest thing for me is half songs and not release them. Like my unreleased songs are super, because I always want to know what the fans think. I always want to know what they like, what their favorite song is. So that always keeps me motivated to, to keep releasing music consistently. So how many tracks would you put in an album, obviously released Invisible recently? Um, how many would you say were left off the album because you didn't feel they were ready or for whatever reason they didn't fit in the album? And what is that journey like? Yeah, um, there's not, for, for this album in particular, there weren't that many. I would say like maybe five or six songs that were left off. Um, but um, some of them are, are definitely going to be big releases coming up. Uh, uh, I am uh, I'm originally Italian, so I'm, I'm very into the Italian hip-hop scene as well. And I was able to collaborate with one of the, the bigger rappers there. Uh, because, because of timing issues, uh, we couldn't release that track um, in time for the album. Uh, but it, it will be released soon, so I'll be looking forward uh, to see what, what kind of the Italian fan base thinks of that. I think it's interesting to mix the two, two languages and two, uh, two hip-hop vibes together, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, there weren't too many... Too many songs left off um but definitely more material coming uh there's a lot of features that are going to be released soon um and uh, more singles i'm just going to start releasing singles we're focusing a lot on music videos now so there's a new music video coming in the next few days as well so yeah we're, we're trying to be as consistent as possible and to uh to focus on every area we can focus on well the good thing is for your fans that you know you, they're always going to have new things to enjoy. So um, yeah. whether it's music video, singles, unreleased tracks, whatever it is. So that's always a bit positive. And so because you're bilingual, is that right? So you can speak a couple of different languages. Yeah, I can speak English, Italian, French and Spanish fluent. Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. so do you think that gives you an advantage? Obviously, you said you collaborated with an Italian hip hop artist. Do you think that that helps you just expand to different markets? I think so. I think it does. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily rap in different languages. Like I'll, I will always rap in English no matter who I'm featured with, but me having the exposure to other countries, um, hip hop and what is going on there and, and just staying in tune with that uh, helps because then it allows me to, to connect with, with rappers in other countries. Uh, and if something comes out of it, collaboration, a feature, um, then uh, both artists is a win-win, right? Both artists will gain fans in, in the countries and you never know what might happen. So that helps definitely to expand on a, on a more international level. Awesome, man. How do you feel, obviously, you know, based out of Canada, how's the hip hop scene in Canada and how is it, you know, when you compare the scene in Canada versus the scene in the United States? I think it's growing fast in Canada and most like there's some huge artists, especially coming out of Toronto. I'm in Calgary. I'm not, I'm not there, but the hip hop scene in Toronto is definitely huge. I mean, you know, Drake and, and Tory Lanez are, are, are out of there and, and they're two of the biggest artists there are right now. Uh, so I think Canada is contributing a lot to that. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, traditionally and historically, I mean, the U S are always going to be seen as the, 
you know, as the, the basic, like just hip hop, it, it's American, right? It's the US and, and everyone knows that, but I think Canada is doing a great job coming up with, the, with some new artists and, uh, and some very big influences on the genre. When you do like concerts and when you do tours in Canada, do you find that they are easy to sell out, that there's enough of, um, you know, demand? Or do you find that, you know, it's starting to build, obviously, off the back of success like Tory Lanez and Drake? Uh, I, I think no matter what the demand is there, like e even if it, I mean, Drake and Tory definitely contributed to it, but hip hop has always been big here. Um, uh, any American artist that can come here, even if it's not the mainstream artists, some more underground ones, uh, you go to their concerts, they're always sold out. Um, people know the lyrics. Uh, it, it's definitely huge. And the hip hop community is huge. Um, I would say what, what is maybe lacking, but, I guess that that kind of happens based on how many people are trying to make it is the supporting each other factor, uh, you know, having each other's back. But I guess hip hop just has a very competitive nature that is hard to find in any other genre. And, uh, and that also influences on, uh, on the support you get from other peers that, you know, maybe they, they, you know, they might be envious or something and it, it kind of influences that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a genre where, you know, there's a lot of competition. And so in terms of for you, have you had any kind of disses, anything where like you've actually gone head to head with anyone? How do you feel about that actual like, you know, diss tracks are something that's part of hip hop, but um, yeah. it feels like it's becoming less common in terms of um, people actually wanting to get into those specific disses. Yeah, I, I'm all for diss tracks. I love it because I, I love the competitive nature. And as you said, growing up listening to the classics and to uh, older stuff, that was a huge part of hip hop. And um, and uh, I'm not one though to to start a diss just because just because I know it's gonna it's gonna do good and people are, are gonna like it more. Uh, it has to be something where you know it, it's more personal and there's a reason for it. Because as much as I I love diss tracks and all that, I'm also for supporting other artists and and not just starting beef Fox, for whatever yeah. reason it just it just doesn't make sense to me i've definitely had some lines in a couple songs i never had a, a diss track dedicated to someone in particular just some lines here and there um uh but yeah nothing nothing too crazy but i'm all for someone dissing me because i love it so i i, I would love that opportunity yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh i i don't think I, I don't think many people are ready for for diss tracks i don't think um but it sounds like you're ready to go so um, yeah. If anyone wants to have a go of verses, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the most notable notable one recently was the MGK and Eminem one. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably the biggest one, but um, obviously that got squashed quite quickly. So we haven't seen them back and forth. I mean, we had you know Joyner Lucas had his beef as well. Um, yeah, Joyner and Flory was interesting. Mm. Uh, even though that was a more friendly diss for me, it was a kind of a and then they squashed it with a song together, right? Uh, but yeah, you're probably right. The most notable one in recent times would be uh, Rap Devil and Killshot. There wasn't really much for for uh, for him to respond to after Killshot was there, so it just no. There. Yeah. Well, MGK came off well. He's dating uh, Megan Fox, so you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe it was a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good for him. And so for you getting into the market so you know you start releasing music you're starting to make a name for yourself how did you find the penetration into the market was it did you have to get in contact with more people did you find that 
features is your way to get into the market or was it you know a combination of all those things it's definitely a combination and it's a, a kind of trial and error thing you have to try everything out it's a hustle uh you know my team and i are constantly uh, reaching out to people constantly trying to network um one thing that helped me in particular was definitely features um and i was lucky enough to uh one of the first features i had was with crooked uh and crooked and uh not only the song was great and, and one of my favorites but um the connection i made with crooked was so valuable he's, he's such a stand-up guy i care so much about about the hip-hop community about the culture um he put me in touch with royce and that's how that that feature happened so i owe a lot to crooked I'll always make sure to say his name because he, he definitely helped me a lot. And, um, and then in the beginning, uh, we started doing a lot of remixes. Um, I think that's an approach that a lot of new artists coming up have to take because uh, at least you know that you're guaranteed some listeners. And then if they like it, they become fans, but they already know the beat, they know the song. So they're always, they're always down to, to hear what you have to say on, on a more popular beat. Um, and, uh, the one that that uh, kind of contributed the most to where I'm at now is uh, I did a remix of a going back to the Italy thing. I did a remix of a Italian trap song, um, but I rapped in English on it. So that went really well in Italy because people were interested to finally see someone rap in English on an Italian beat that they were familiar with. So that did really good. Um, it was actually my biggest song on Spotify, but it got taken down from the original artist. Oh, really? That Italian song. So at least it got noticed. That was, that was the positive. It got taken down, which, which is fair, I guess. But, and so is yeah, the music so different in, in Italy? So how's the sound? Or have they? Because every country seems to have their own sound. Obviously, you've got grime from the UK. You've got yeah. these different sub-genres of hip-hop popping up but having their own unique sound. How is it in Italy in comparison to you know, what we see um, right now? A lot of trap, the, the, the thing that, that has the most success in Italy and that you'd hear on the radio is definitely trap music. Um, but there's a heavy American influence. The, the, the artists in Italy are constantly looking up to artists in the US. They wanna, you know, they wanna wear the same clothes. They wanna have that gold chain. They wanna rap about the things they rap about. Uh, so there's, they're so fascinated about the American scene that a lot of it translates into the music and uh, yeah, but, but there, again, there, no matter where, there, you'll always find some lyrical artists and those are always the ones I'm trying to work with. Um, the feature I have um, with that Italian rapper I was, I was mentioning earlier is uh, he's one of the pioneers of the Italian rap scene, been doing it for almost 20 years. Uh, and so it, it, was, it was great. Yeah, it was great to connect with him and, and work. We'll see, we'll see how that goes when, when it gets released. Awesome. And going back to, to King Crooked, um, yeah. I'm, I'm also a big fan of King Crooked. Um, yeah one of my friends, the Danny, he does this podcast as well. Um, he likes to joke that I always mention King Crooked. Um, whenever we go for a drive, whenever I'm showing him new music, I always have at least one King Crooked track. Yeah. So how did you get in touch with King Crooked? What was like, you know, he's quite a big artist, definitely underground for sure. He's obviously notable for his work with Royce, his work with Eminem. So yeah. it's not like he doesn't have a following and it's not like he... He's not busy. So how did you cut through and manage to get in touch? It was actually just a, an Instagram DM. Like it was as simple as that. And, and, and of course he's busy. I'm sure he doesn't open every DM, but if he does, and if you try enough and kind of insist, he's always available to listen to new music. He's always, on, he's always looking out for new artists. Um, there's some rappers like Crooked, Tech9, uh, Royce even, 
uh, that are that care so much about the culture that they will probably listen to your song if you send it to them just just because just because they want to see if uh, how this how the state of the of the community is at the moment and crooked did that i sent him a song um he he liked it he, he he's definitely not someone that will work with anyone in terms of he doesn't want to ruin his reputation or, or put his name on something he doesn't believe in um so that was a good sign for me from the get-go is the fact that he wanted to do it uh, gave me a lot of encouragement and motivation and uh and yeah we were able to work uh we went live on instagram a few times just talking and having discussions about the culture um and th those are the most valuable connections are people that that are not in it just for the money or just for the fame people that really care about about where the where the hip-hop community is going where the culture is going um so yeah that's definitely a connection i value a lot and same as you when i'm showing someone music when i talk about real hip-hop real lyrics crooked has to be in that conversation anytime and so what did, what did you learn from him if you had to you know there's a lot that he imparts you know when i listen to his music he's one of the most lyrical artists there is right now as far as i'm concerned he i think his challenge is obviously you know getting those beats and getting to a market that likes hearing what he does but for yeah. pure hip-hop heads that are like you know i'm looking for fire lyrics not messing about he goes in he kills tracks that's what he does what did you take away from king crooked amongst all your chats amongst working with him i think the biggest thing as you were saying right now you know the challenge of finding the beat that most like the more people would want to hear the thing i learned from him is he just doesn't care about that he just does not care who listens to the tracks how much it will sell how much money it will make him it's going back to what i said earlier he's happy with it he knows he he did his job on a song he will release it and that's how the most pure music comes out he did the the weekly volumes where it was a song a week right uh 52 songs in the year on top of that albums mixtapes features um so if there's something i learned it's definitely not caring too much what people think and just doing what feels right and um and just uh yeah just releasing whatever feels right and uh and how much he cares about the culture it's it's always encouraging to to see that and see how supportive he is of uh of new artists as well or artists that you might have not heard about uh, yeah it, it's always very inspiring awesome and for you because you say not to obviously you know cast your net too wide you've got obviously people who love your music you've got people who hate your music it's just part and part of really being in the yeah. public sphere who do you look to for advice though who who is it in your inner circle that you're like when i'm struggling i'm not sure who yeah. do i turn to yeah i i have a i mean friendship wise i have a pretty pretty good uh, group of friends that will be honest i always ask for honest feedback because it's easy to to always say yes it's good yeah at one point it just can't be true it can't be that every song i release is that good it, yeah. it can't happen uh so so it's it's important to have uh, even friends that listen to i i usually ask feedback to a lot of people that are not into hip-hop that much just because i want to have a feel of what an average listener that is not a hip-hop head would think that gives me an idea of how good it might do outside of the underground hip-hop community um so that's always interesting um artist wise i always send my songs to, to crooked going back to that or anyone i i have that a kind of uh relationship with uh it's not like i talk to him every day but if something comes out he will definitely let me know what he thinks um i'm a huge battle rap fan as well and um battle a lot of battle rappers are more available on social media they're not that crazy you know as as mainstream artists would be they, they can kind of interact with the fans more um 
So uh, battle rappers like Hollow to Dawn, Charlie Clips, uh, I've sent my songs to and always get some good feedback from them as well. Awesome. And so moving away from hip hop for just a little bit, obviously, you know, the the coronavirus is affecting everybody, you know, especially here in Australia. Um, it's affecting a lot of artists because, you know, you can't do you can't do tours, you can't do live music. It's really tough down here. Um, yeah. How have you felt the effects of coronavirus on yourself and how has it affected the industry in your opinion? Um, myself on a personal level, I... It definitely puts things into perspective. I don't want to sound corny here, but I think it did for everyone. Uh, so I, I took a lot of time off to, to spend with my family. Um, kind of, yeah, just just be around the family, be around friends, uh, get my mind off things. Uh, Music-wise, uh, it kind of almost forced me to, to write more and do more because being at home so much, uh, it kind of, you know, <laughs> you want to do something and you want to feel useful kind of pushes you to record more, write more. I had a, I usually go to a studio, but it forced me to set up a mini studio at home um, so that I could still release music because I, first thing when I saw the lockdown was happening was I cannot go months without releasing music. It just can't happen. Um, So that's why I I, I set up the studio at home. Uh, Hopefully the quality was kind of the same. Uh, Some of the songs on the album actually were released at at home. So it was a different, different feel for me. well, you but couldn't still, tell, to be honest. I awesome, literally, yeah. I couldn't tell from track to track that was cool. that it was off or anything like that. I was just listening to it in the car, so um, awesome. the sound is good in the car, so it worked. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't think you have that <laughs> issue, man. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> Are you guys still in isolation? How's how's it right now? Um, not in isolation. We can still go out. Uh, anytime you go in an indoor space in public, you have to wear the mask. Um, you could get fined for that. Uh, same with gatherings, parties and stuff. There's a limited amount of people that you can invite or be with. Um, but other than that, I mean, definitely economy wise and job wise, you know, a lot of layoffs, a lot of, a lot of people losing their jobs. Uh, it's sad. It's unfortunate. Um, it's kind of all over the world. I think it's, it's been the same. I mean, some countries were hit harder, some countries recovered quicker, but yeah, it kind of hit everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, down here in in Melbourne, we've been in lockdown. I reckon for out of the last seven months, we've been in lockdown for six months. So we had one month off. So um, yeah, I haven't properly been like outside to a restaurant or to a cafe uh, in I don't know how long. So I think we're going a bit stir crazy down here. So we see everybody else, and we're we're very jealous. But hopefully, hopefully, yeah. it's we're coming out soon. So um, so. the the benefit though is that obviously you know hopefully it inspires more artists it inspires more creativity yeah i think it does i i think if um if people have the right mindset i mean staying at home all day doing nothing is is not the way to go so for anyone who is creative um it inspires you to maybe start your own podcast for example or start recording or start editing videos um it's definitely something that encourages creativity to kind of forces you in that mindset. So I, I think, I think it helped that way. Um, in the music industry, going back to that, it definitely hit it hard with the touring. That's, that's, the, that's the biggest revenue most artists have. Even mainstream artists, that the biggest form of revenue is usually touring. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for concerts to start again and, and to see more artists and to perform myself. That's something we're, we're all looking forward to. 
Well, the good news is hopefully when everything opens up again, there'll be tours left, right and centre. There'll yeah. be an inundation yeah. of music. There'll be, you know, artists everywhere, exhibitions, all that kind of stuff. So um, as much as it's tough for everybody right now, um, I'm sure, you know, for you, you, you want to do a tour as well. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll start opening up and we'll have lots of music to look forward to. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And in terms of for you, is there anything that surprised you in hip hop when you start young, when you start writing young, you know, you have an idea of what hip hop is. You have an idea of what you want out of your career. And now that you're getting years in, is there something that surprised you in particular? Um, surprises me about the hip hop culture. About the, the, the culture and about, you know, forming a career, whatever one of those two or both. Um, just something that you didn't expect to come out of, you know, taking this leap. Yeah. Um, I think... I think as an artist myself, the big the biggest thing is uh, realizing how important everything else is outside of just what you create and the songs you're putting out. Uh, you you learn pretty quickly if if you want to do this as a full time thing that the music you put out could be great, uh, but if you're not working around it and and doing everything behind the scenes, it just won't go as, as you as you think it would or as you planned. Um, uh, I've had conversations with. Um, uh, Gone. Gone is another rapper from Chicago. Amazing rapper. He features on the album. Um, we were talking about how the music you put out is maybe 15, 20% of, of, of everything you do and of the success you will have. Uh, the networking, the, the marketing, the promoting, the connections you make, the concerts, the merch, the websites. The, it's just so much going on behind the scenes that if you're only listening to hip hop, you, you can't see and you can't really know how important it is. So as a fan, you see the music, you see the music videos and that's kind of like, Oh, I want to do that. I want to release music and do music videos, which is fine. Uh, but then you realize there's a lot going on that takes most of the time. It's the behind the scenes thing that, that people don't see. Yeah. And it's probably the least fun. It, it is the least fun. It definitely is. And, uh, and that's kind of the motivation to, to keep growing is you eventually, if you make it, you get to a point where you have a team around you that does it for you uh, and can really focus on, on what you like and, and on being in the studio all day. Uh, but until you get there, especially being independent um, and upcoming artists, underground artists, there is so much work that, that will go unnoticed, unseen, uh, but that is key uh, to keep growing. And so being an independent artist, is that by design or is that something that you like? Because obviously, you know, you hear these stories about record deals. You hear all these stories about, you know, music sitting in the lab but never getting released because the studio isn't keen to put it out. Yeah. Have you just decided, you know what, I'd rather have control myself? Um, yeah, I think for now it's just how things are. It's not like we, we had like 10 label offers that we rejected or anything like that. It's just we... It just never happened for now. We, we, we are happy the way it is. Um, it's probably a good phase to be independent because uh, coming up, you want to make sure you're putting out what you want to put out and you have control over more aspects of, of what you're doing. So I'm happy this way. Um, if, you know, if something happens eventually and it feels right, if it's a label um, that I've always liked and look up, looked up to, there's a few labels like Strange Music, Shady Records that, that I think would be a good fit if it ever happens in the future. So, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. And so if you weren't a hip hop artist, if you didn't take this route as a creative, as someone who, who, you know, likes to explore lyricism, what do you think you'd be doing instead? Is there anything that you had an idea about? Yeah, honestly, I mean, 
this this rap and music thing is only starting to take off now so i've always had to figure uh, my life out in other ways so i i I'm, i graduated like in finance a couple of years ago did that so i started working in in the kind of corporate world uh banking and and all that so i've always done other things so i'd probably be there it's just i quickly realized that that's not what i like and i i don't get in the right mind state i'm not as happy as i can be doing something else uh, so now i'm doing the, this music thing full time um and it definitely improved uh you know just how i feel and how i am and uh but i mean if not i'd, I'd probably just be doing that i mean you know at least i have something to fall back on it's always good uh, but this is definitely this definitely makes me happier so hopefully it could keep going for as long as it can well that's interesting man because i also used to work at a bank so yeah uh yeah so i also <laughs> hey when you're young and you've got to make your way up you know you go to university you graduate and you need to start you need to start but um of course i mean that's yeah that's the beginning for most people right and it's good to have it's good that no matter no matter what you try out what passion or hobbies you have you know you at least have something to, to fall back on um it's good to take risks but you know you always want to make sure you you also make a living <laughs> and are okay, yeah so. definitely <laughs> and so for you how did you balance the two because you know the, the hardest part is the start of the career because you have to put enough time for your craft to get good. We also need to have enough time for all the other aspects of your life to still be there. I working full time family, all that kind of stuff. How did you yeah. balance those competing interests? Yeah, that's probably the toughest thing because I, I always felt like if I had more time and more freedom, I could always be putting out better music and doing more, which finally now is the case. But, uh, yeah when when you're doing when you're studying at the same time working at the same time it's tough um i mean it, it definitely takes some sacrifice on on, on the uh, the individual's end as well like in terms of if you only have the weekend available to go record then that's what you're going to do that weekend and maybe you can't hang out with with your friend or you can't go to that party it, it's it that's based on how much you want it and how hungry you are for, for really doing it um but um but yeah freedom is definitely important because if you have all the time that you need then that definitely helps with the creative process in the beginning that's probably why some songs are always a bit rushed uh and um yeah now 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 i can be more patient with it i can take my time i can make sure the beat is right i can make sure the hook is right i can re-record it if i feel like i need to so kind of have the freedom to make sure that the quality is as, as high as possible yeah definitely gotta you know the more time you have the more time you can put into reworking it and then exactly. if you've got limited time you don't really want to wait two years to release your first album it's just yeah it takes a lot a lot of effort and by the time you get to that second year mark the hip-hop has probably changed anyway from the first track that you did so exactly. um timing is it is a is one of those ones that i think everyone just wants more time but for you during that time where, where it's tough where you're working mm -hmm. full time you're trying to make music you're, you're you're doing those things what kept you motivated is there like a point where you're like this is what i need to get was it goal setting was it something else that kept you going i think i just always wanted to blow up let's say as quick as possible because it's just i i once i realized this is what i want to do as a as a living and i want to do full time and not only that but i realized it's what makes me happier uh, I just, I, I was always in a rush to, to succeed as quick as I could. 
Um, so that always motivated me to work harder. Uh, my work ethic slowly got better thanks to that. Uh, to record more, to release more, because as I said before, a lot of artists have a tendency not to release. Uh, if you're a perfectionist, it's tough and you want to make sure it's right. But as you were saying, you don't want to wait two years to release your first project. You just can't afford to do that as you're, as you're, as you're coming up. Um, so that helped me. Uh, yeah, I think it was just, just the realization I had of that this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, that, that kind of encouraged me to, to always work harder. For you moving forward, if you got to, to see where your career went, obviously, you're, you're getting more fans, you're working with more artists. If you could you know, map out the next couple of years, what would that look like ideally? Ideally, um, we, the first thing, as soon as the album dropped, um, as a team, we said, okay, now let's, let's work on topping off and next album has to be bigger, has to be better, has to have bigger features. So that's the spirit we have, which I think is great as, as a team with my manager altogether. Um, so the goal is to work with bigger artists. Uh, hopefully the connections we made these years will help and achieve that. We are talking to, I'm not going to mention anyone until the song comes out, but we are talking to definitely bigger artists um so ideally yeah bigger features uh a big thing that we i kind of felt i was lacking in the past were music videos uh, and so we're focusing on that a lot we we have a plan to uh, to basically have a music video for every song on the album uh that that's the idea so we want to give visuals to the fans we want to grow our youtube community uh, if you looked at the numbers there you probably noticed that there's some platforms where I'm much bigger, like Instagram and Spotify, and then other platforms like YouTube where the numbers just don't add up. Because as I said, coming up, it's hard to balance everything, every website, every social media. So we focused on some things and had to disregard other things. Now we have time to, to kind of make sure there's a balance and make sure we are as big as we could be on every platform. So yeah, ideally, um, another album, um, the rate we're going at, I think an album a year is reasonable. Plus, you know, other features and singles and stuff like that. Um, but we definitely want to make sure the next album is bigger, better, um, uh, more music videos. We, uh, as soon as this COVID thing stops and ends, we'll probably, you know, uh, try to see if we could go on tour, uh, perform more locally here. Uh, and yeah, in a couple of years down the road, again, there's, uh, we always talk about a few labels that, that we think is a good fit. And we do have contacts with some people in those labels. Um, but we might stay independent. I don't know. A lot of artists are very successful being independent. So that's always an option. And hey, hopefully you get to come down to Australia and, and do a, do a tour down great. here. That would be great. Yeah. Actually, I was checking just before this podcast, just because I, I was curious. I was checking uh, the numbers on, on my Spotify streams because you can see by location. And Australia is actually generally like the third country that, that plays my music the most. So. Yeah, hip hop is getting bigger. I remember when I was, you know, in high school, when I was listening to hip hop, none of my friends were really into it. But now I can feel in general, just the culture changing. I think, you know, with things like Instagram, TikTok, and, you know, the, the music is always part of those videos. It's coming into the culture. And now I can hear the radio starting to play, you know, not your like underground hip hop, but they're doing the trappy beats, you know, they're easy to consume hip hop, right. but it's a start. But I also see that some very lyrical artists that are not necessarily too mainstream, like Hobson, Token, Mercules, they sell out tours easily in Australia. And I see the videos and the crowds are amazing. The, 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 the reactions I see and the, just the vibe to it is amazing. And that's more lyrical 
I'm not going to say underground because they're definitely established artists, but it's not something you'd hear on the radio. You don't hear Token or Hobson on the radio. But then uh, some of their bigger, biggest tours, when I follow their pages on Instagram, are in Australia. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, well, the good thing is we have big stadiums. So, I mean, Eminem, when he last came, he did the MCG, which holds about 100,000. So um, we can do definitely big. So, yeah, especially because we don't get that much hip-hop regularly. Um, right. You'll definitely find that, you know, it sells out. Royce did a tour as well just before he went out with Eminem. Um, yep. Obviously, 50 Cent came down to to do his tour, and we've had Action Bronson, artists like that come. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something that we, we'd obviously, if I can speak for Australia, which I'm just going to take the liberty to, um, yeah. it'd be cool to have you down, man, and see some, some hip-hop, you know, around the world i think the more countries that get into hip-hop the the better it is for our culture mm -hmm. yeah agree yeah 100 000 seems a little tough for me to ever do but you know that's <laughs> it was the biggest one he that anyone's ever done in australia so it's all about a start and eminem's had an unbelievably successful oh, career so doesn't get bigger than that no yeah. hey who knows you might be able to open for him and you might get that hundred thousand <laughs> so anything's possible man yeah yeah that's the goal. And so right now, in terms of for you, you're you're working on new music, you're always, you know, working on new things. You've got your manager who's part of your team. How did you get in touch with the manager? Was it, you know, a friend or was it someone that yeah. you've gotten in contact with? Yeah, it was through a mutual friend. And then, um, you know, we made sure we developed a good friendship before starting any business. And that's always key. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, I definitely wouldn't be here without that connection and that relationship because again, coming up, uh, you know, you need a lot of investments. You need, you need the support. You need someone that believes in you. So that's, that's always been key. Do you find that he is honest with you all the time? Like, you know, even when you don't want it, he's always going to be like, all right, versus that was shit. Let's fix this up. Yeah. Um, he's always the one that you know is always going to give you the feedback that you need rather than the yeah. feedback that you want. Yeah, he's actually right in the, in the background. That's why I was laughing, but I think <laughs> I don't even know if he's listening. But, uh, you know, he wants to be here. Everything I do, every interview, every podcast. So the support's always there. Yeah, he's, he's honest, definitely. Uh, some songs he likes more than others. Um, but that's why it's good, it's good to have a, a larger group of people that give you that feedback because you can't really, no matter how honest someone is, you can't base everything on one's, you know, one individual's opinion. Uh, I like the... Honestly, I take a lot of, lot of valuable feedback comes from, you know, my mom and dad, who especially my mom are not, is not a huge hip-hop fan at all. She doesn't even understand what I'm saying because she doesn't speak English. So, but I like, I like that because it gives you a different, you know, perspective for someone who doesn't know the language, uh, doesn't know the lyrics, doesn't know the, the, the technicalities of lyricism and of hip-hop but you still can kind of see what they feel and the vibe they get from a track. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I always encourage honest feedback because if you're surrounded by a bunch of yes men, it's going to be hard to, first of all, it's going to be hard to put out better music and also probably going to encourage um, kind of like, um, I don't know, like a behavior where you think you're the shit when you're really not, because you know, you have people constantly telling you good things and a lot of artists, especially bigger ones, I think suffer from that. Uh, when you especially when you get bigger and people have so many reasons to be around you the fame the money um you're kind of surrounded by these people that will, will always say good things just because yeah. 
and uh, and that doesn't help the, the the creative process we always see artists you know they always carry you know whether for good or for bad they always carry their childhood friends with them because they know that they're there they've been there when you were nothing and so now they, they get to see the success and you can always trust them because they've said what they've always thought rather than pampering to your ego so yeah because I, I can imagine it's definitely not my case because I'm, I'm not even close to being that big and that established, but I can imagine once you get there that it's very hard to manage relationships because you never know who is there for what reason. So as you said, the childhood friends and whoever supported you from the beginning, the, you know, the, the loyal fans will always be the ones you can trust more because you know, they were there when you had nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so for you, with this album, you did this album that you released take 12 months to to release or how did you find that process? Were there parts where you struggled to write? What was that like? Um, yeah, we, my, my first album that was released on, on platforms, on Spotify and all that was uh, Time Will Tell. That was my first album. That, that has the, the crooked feature on it. Um, and then after that, um, I think this was released just a little over a year after so uh, we didn't i don't really get into the into the mind state like oh i'm gonna make an album i just kind of do song for song uh, i try to be as consistent as possible i try to write as much as i can when i when i like the song i recorded i'll just release it as a single that's why most of the songs on the album were released as singles and then i'll just kind of pick what fits well together uh for the next album i think is going to be a little different i think i definitely want to give more of a surprise element to it where not the majority of the songs will not have been released as singles. So the goal is to kind of have uh, uh, maybe maybe the bigger features as singles or whatever whatever can have a dope music video uh, release those first, just maybe three or four, and then have the rest uh, have the rest as a surprise element. I, coming up, it's definitely I. If there's any new artists that are coming up and are listening to this, then I always encourage to to take the the single approach release most of the songs as singles because you want the most attention on one song but then when you get to a certain level where you think you can afford just uh kind of having that surprise element then that that's always fit to do well i think that's why you see so many features it's because artists are working on their you know their studio album or their their ap you know in yep. the lab and obviously you still want to make sure that you're still out there so hence exactly. the features and that's one thing i've always loved about hip-hop is that you know, instead of having just your album, you can feature on a bunch of different albums and you can always be releasing music. Yeah, yeah, that's always a plus. And that's something that um, that is definitely uh, going to be important here in the next few months. There's a lot of features that will, that will come out. Um, and most of them are actually, uh, again, I'm kind of taking the approach I see from people that inspire me like Crooked. You know, I never work with someone if I don't really believe in the song. And I really... If I really like it, though, uh, like uh, I think there's two or three features that are coming up that are actually going to be released under my name as well, under my profiles, um, because I really believe in the project and uh, they're with some really, uh, really cool artists that are coming up. So, yeah. Awesome. And so in terms of for you, what was the hardest part? What's the hardest part of the journey? Was there a point where like, man, I don't know if I can do it. What was... Was there a point where it was really difficult to overcome and you had to push through? And what was that like? Yeah, I think um, I think it's back to what you were saying earlier about managing uh, everything else, school, work, music at the same time. At one point, I felt like I had to pick uh, one or the other. 
And when you get to that, the safest choice is always going to be picking school or university or, or, or whatever safe job you have. Um, so there were times uh, before I even released my first album where I was like, yeah, maybe maybe this might not work out and maybe I'll just I'll just do what I'm supposed to do, what people kind of do in general or tell you to do. Um, and I, I think I even did that for a while. I kind of stopped a little, started focusing on something else, but then I'd always come back to, to writing and wanting to record. Uh, and, I, I, and then it, once I realized that it just, it, that's just what I like to do, then I kind, of, uh, I kind of paid more attention to it, started dedica- dedicating myself more to it, starting improving on the craft. Um, and, and yeah, I forced myself, that was the, the, the hardest struggle. The, the hardest part of it was forcing myself to dedicate as much time as possible while also working very hard on, on either studying or whatever job I had at the time. Um, yeah. So that's why, that's why it's always, the goal is always to, to have the freedom and to, and to make a living out of it. Um, that is definitely the, the best thing that can happen to an artist. Did you find that when you were at work that you stopped thinking about work and you were only thinking about when you would get back home so you could write and do more music? Always, always. Um, I hope my boss, my ex-boss is watching this. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> always. Uh, yeah, it's tough not to because my mind is constantly there. My mind is constantly thinking about lines or, or thinking about the song I just heard and it inspired me to say something else. It's always there. So... Uh, anytime I had some time or some freedom at work, I would write down some lyrics and, you know, pretend I was taking notes. I think every artist went through that. Um, and yeah, I, I always couldn't wait to get back home or, or to just put my beats on and listen to music. It's, I mean, if it's your passion, you, you breathe hip hop, you live it. And, and it's hard to do anything else on like full time wise. It's just hard to focus so much on something else when all your efforts you really want to redirect towards your passion. I think for anyone who watches this or listens to this, if you cannot stop thinking about something, that's the thing you should be doing. Oh, yeah. If you are obsessed, mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And some people are not that lucky in the sense that they haven't figured out what it is that they're obsessed with or what their passion is. I have these conversations all the time with, with some friends that, they haven't really found out what it is and this what you have to do there is just try things out and just getting to as many hobbies as many things as you can and chances are you will find something that you know you go back home and you're still thinking about it uh and that's that's what music is for me no matter where i am who i'm with i'm always thinking about either my own music or someone else's music or i just listen to or um or again the all the things that happen behind the scenes uh so yeah but yeah, you're right. Once once you figure out you're that dedicated to something, then that should be your career goal. We have you found that as a as a kid, you were always obsessive with things, so you'd find something and then you just click with it. Or was this kind of the first where you're like, all right, now I know this is different feeling for me. I was definitely obsessive with things just because of again my OCD, but it wasn't. They weren't good things. They weren't hobbies or passions or anything like that. They were just thoughts that would stay in my head. So the first good thing I would say that I was obsessed with was music. Like the first thing that is actually productive and can be something was music. As soon as I, as soon as I heard, um, again, M was the first one. As soon as I really got into that, and then I had a friend there in France where we, we both were into it heavily and really liked it. So that's all our conversations would kind of go around was that. Um, 
so yeah that was the first time i actually felt like i could obsess something and still be productive <laughs> yeah awesome well and so for you to get into the mind state obviously writing is a release but you've got a lot of you know those things that you struggle with that they never disappear so how do you make sure that it's never an issue moving forward do you have coping mechanisms when you're stressed what do you do to make sure that you know you're in the best mindset yeah it can be small things one approach i've been taking recently is uh you know a lot of artists go through writer's block i think everyone does and uh um you're kind of slow with the song or whatever, or you just might be distracted doing something else and you don't want to, don't want to record or write. What I've been doing recently is booking studio sessions without having anything ready. And then that forces me to have something ready and to record. So like I book these unrefundable sessions, for example, and that, that just pushes me at, and to treat the, treat it kind of as a job. Um, and then that pushes me to write more and then get something done. So that's one example. Uh, patience also is key. Uh, I learned that a lot. It's easy to get frustrated uh, as an artist uh, when something doesn't turn out the end, turn turn up the end the, the way you imagined it to, or or was hoping to. Um, and it's it's key to be patient and to trust the process and trust the the craft. It's it's slow. I mean, it's very slow, especially coming up. There, you never know when you can blow up immediately, very quickly. You never know when the moment is like there might be, especially nowadays, there might be one TikTok that just blows up with your song and then that's it. You know, now you're recognized. It can be as simple as that, but in general, until you get to that moment, because you always need that one lucky moment, but until you get there, it's a very slow and painful process and you have to trust it and you have to go through it and you have to enjoy the process itself. Because if you don't enjoy the process itself, then you probably won't get to the end goal. So that's something I learned that no matter the difficulties or obstacles there are, just try to try to enjoy it and, and understand that it's part of the whole thing. And that's just how things are. And it goes back to that piece that you were saying, you know, about the people around you, you know, the people around you make those challenges easier because they are there to support you and it's a team rather than you on your own. Oh yeah. yeah. Couldn't do it on my own. I mean, I don't think anyone could do it if they're, if, they're just left there by themselves. It's very tough. Yeah. And so for you, do you have a routine where you're like, all right, Mondays, this is what when I write? Or, you know, do you have set times or is it more week to week? Depends on what you're releasing, depends what you book. Uh, I don't have a routine. I don't have anything set. It's just uh, whenever I feel like I have to say something, I, I'll put random beats on until one beat catches my ear and I really like it and I'll start writing to it. That's one way things can happen. Or another way things can happen, which actually happens more often, is I think of a wordplay or one line that I really like and that I have to say. I'll write it down wherever I can on my phone, on a notebook. And then that line usually starts an entire song. If, if I'm confident about one line or one specific wordplay or whatever that I really, really like, that usually makes things a lot easier to create the rest of the song. It's very hard when you have nothing. But yeah, when, when I have nothing and I still feel like I have to record, I'll just put beats on, um, feel the vibe, see, see what I like, and then hopefully I find something. Yeah. And do you prefer notepad or pen? Or sorry, or do you do a lot of phone or computer? I, How I, do you do it? I only do no, notebook. Like I only write uh, physically. Like uh, I only... Uh, the only time I use the phone is if I'm outside and I think of a line and I don't want to forget it, then I'll write it in my notes on the phone. Uh, but everything else, I'm, uh, I'm still uh, 
old school with the with the pen. It helps me visualize things. Do you find that it, it help it makes it personal? Like you can feel the pen, you can feel the the kind of the words flow through your mind into your hand. For me, it does. For me, it does, and it also helps me a lot. To, the way I the way I write, I was just looking at a paper I have here in front of me where I wrote stuff, but uh, it it just helps um, how I structure it. I can see the rhymes better. I can see which syllables connect better. Um, so that helps a lot to to kind of keep going and trying to rhyme everything and try. Yeah, it, it just yeah for me it does make it more personal. But I do understand that the phone can work as well because I think most artists that I see nowadays are are using their phone. So that's fair, but you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm old school. Hey, well, if it was me, I wouldn't be able to read, read my own writing. So that'd be my biggest problem. The scribbles <laughs> yeah. and then you're like, ah, oh, no, I thought no I could understand. Mine. No one can read mine. I, I have tested it out and it's scientifically proven that no one can read my writing. So I'm the only one that can decode this. Well, man, sounds like you should have been a doctor because doctors infamously right. have horrendous and ran writing. Exactly, yeah. Maybe that was my, uh, my other career path. Yeah. <laughs> And so if you could do a collab with anyone, let's say alive or dead, um, if you could collab with anyone in hip hop, you know, there's a plethora of hip hop stars that are no longer with us versus ones that we currently have. Who would you yeah. collab with? I'm going to exclude Eminem because Eminem is going to be my answer to every question. So I'm going to exclude it. It, it would definitely be Eminem. I mean, he's what got me into it and he's the biggest I can think of. So, uh, but outside of that, I would say, uh, ooh, that's a tough one. A dead or alive, you said. Yeah. Well, wow, that's a tough one. Oh, man. I, I mean, a song with Tupac would just be unreal because our styles are so different that I would just be curious what would come out. I can't imagine how it would sound. It would be very, very different. Um, alive, uh, I'd probably say Tech 9 But the, the funny thing is I would have said Royce up to a few months ago, and then I was able to work with him. So that was amazing. For me, uh, per, like personally, that was a great achievement. But uh, Tech Nine is definitely, definitely in my top five right now. What is it about Tech Nine? Because I've definitely gone through a Tech Nine phase as well. You know, he's got that ability to to spit real fast, but then he also has the ability to to you know slow it down. What is it yeah. for you that that captures Tech Nine? He, I think the way, I mean, his rhymes are just. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen. The way, the way he can make entire sentences rhyme, like the only ones that can do that are, again, Crooked, M, but, but Tech 9 has this thing where he really, really pushes himself to rhyme every single syllable in every line. So it just, I know people don't pay attention to that. The average listener doesn't. But the reason it sounds good is because of that. That's the reason it's appealing to your ears. You don't know because you don't know the technicalities. I mean, people in general. But that's the reason it sounds so good is because every single word he's saying rhymes. And it's amazing. Of course, the, the speed and everything. But the speed is never something that by itself makes me appreciate an artist. There's a lot of rappers that are fast and that are not saying anything, you know. So that's never a thing to me where it's like, oh, he's fast, he's good. It, it's a bonus thing maybe. But, um, but yeah, just the way, the way he delivers the flow, the rhymes. The fact that he's so open-minded with other genres. He's done so many songs with heavy metal artists, rock artists. Uh, more pop artists, techno artists. Like, it, there's just a song for everything. Techno his catalog is amazing. And then again, he's one of those guys that inspires anyone in the hip hop scene because he's been doing it for over 20 years. And he has a song with Pac, going back to that. He has a song with Tupac and he's still around. It's amazing. That longevity is, you know, it's really hard. 
to oh, yeah. to get especially as an artist well i think we're seeing you know a new wave of artists that have had careers way longer you've got people like you know method man coming back and releasing you know new music um yeah. you've got all these artists who realize that just because you're 40 plus doesn't mean your career is over mm-hmm. um and so now we're seeing this kind of wave it's a really interesting time to see old artists versus the young artists and then combining the styles so um it's an exciting time yeah it's amazing because uh, first of all just having them around is amazing and i think we're we're privileged to have someone like nas release an album in 2020 like it's insane right but then it's also interesting going back to the beats we were talking about earlier and how beats evolved it's very interesting to see these old school artists rap on these new beats i think um, Kamikaze was like the first time Eminem really tried to rap on, on modern beats and kind of stopped. Um, you know, the previous album for that was was uh, was Revival, where he was still working with Rick Rubin and and the reception wasn't great on that one. And then on Kamikaze, he kind of rapped on these modern beats. And that was that was so interesting to, to hear and to see. Because um, again, the beats sound great. I have never had anything against the beats themselves. So if you're able to adapt your style, and uh, and to be lyrical on them then it's a win-win for everyone it's also interesting to see as you said adapting the style you know um, yeah. artists that have been successful on boom bap to move into a different yeah. style a different flow um mm-hmm. that's awesome to see yeah yeah it's awesome and that i mean i definitely haven't been around that long but i always try to find different beats to the previous song and and make sure i kind of try to Sorry, try to rap on every style or, 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 or try to adapt everything. My last song was, uh, was Raw, was a uh, uh, super old school beat. First time I ever rapped on, on such a beat and it forced me to slow down and uh, my flow was much slower uh, compared to what I usually do, which is a bit fast paced. Um, but it's good. It gives you variety. Uh, any, any fan can listen to it, depend on the song you release. So it, it always helps. And I mean, you've... As we can see now, you've changed up your flow quite a lot depending on the track, and I've seen it within tracks as well for you to go to more of, you know, that logic kind of really fast spit half a verse and then you go back to something that's easier to understand and go back to your lyrical stuff. So um, it's really impressive to see any artist that can switch and match depending on what the beat does and what what they want to do as well. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you... um... I mean, I'm glad that's what you think and that you appreciate it. To, to be honest, when I'm writing, it's just boring to keep the same flow for the whole beat. I yeah. just can't get myself to do it. So I always want to try to find new patterns within within a song. And so do you write for a flow? Do you like, all right, I feel like this lyricism matches this flow? Yeah, it depends. Sometimes, sometimes what I say is so important that the flow works around it. Other times I think of just the flow and I'll ha- I have voice memos in my phone where I'm not saying anything, but just so I can remember the flow. So I go, no, 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 right? Like on my phone, just so later I can listen and then find something that matches that flow. It depends. It depends on, on what I give the priority to on that track. Is it, is it a line? Is it the lyricism that it's something I really have to say? Or maybe it's a hook that has to be more catchy. So I think of the flow first and then say whatever. Uh, kind of revolves around that and how do you find coming up with hooks there's because hip-hop these feel you know lyricism and there's stories and upon stories of artists who can do verses and they know how to rhyme but they don't know how to construct a track with hooks 
Yeah, and that's tough. And that's a perfect example is battle rappers. Battle rappers are the best lyricists there are in hip hop. Uh, and then they cannot make it in the music industry because they cannot do a song. They cannot make hooks. Uh, and that's one of, uh, I think, the things that I'm starting to work on and focusing on more because I, I've encountered that difficulty myself. Um, and I think that's just natural. When you're focusing so much on the lyricism, you lose touch of what the people really want to hear. And especially in nowadays hip hop climate, hooks are very important. So now I'm trying to, to get to a point where um, I, I still make sure I'm as lyrical as I want to be, but I also give the same importance to the hook and how catchy it is and how, how um, yeah, how, how catchy it can be. And, and um, for the people that maybe are not hip hop heads and still want to listen to it. So for example, the last song I recorded unreleased is called Real Ones. And, uh, and that's the song where I think the hook is probably one of my best hooks. Uh, so I'm excited to see if, uh, if the people agree and how that goes. I'm trying to find beats and hooks that are still modern and can still adapt to the average listener. And then in the verses, I make sure to be as lyrical as I want. And so is there anyone that you went to and were like, you know what, I like the hooks that they make. Let's see if I can replicate. Because it's unspoken, but every artist, you have to get inspiration. You have to learn. You have to you know, have people that you're like, all right, let's see if I can do something like this style, was there any hook that you were like, okay, this is kind of what I'm trying to do? Yeah, I think I actually haven't thought about it that way, but if I would have to mention someone, it would be Joyner. Joyner has the ability to, Joyner Lucas has the ability to be very lyrical, even in his hooks, but the hooks are very catchy and very modern. Uh, and in the last album, he proved that, uh, the ADHD album, um, has amazing beats, amazing hooks. And then in the verses, he goes back to what we know him for and the speed and lyricism. So maybe if, if it would have to be one artist, it would be Joyner. Um, I mean, Drake is obviously amazing with hooks, uh, but it's a different vibe. It doesn't, it's a very, very different style, but he definitely knows how to make a catchy hook. Um, but yeah, there's a few artists that are really good. But yeah, I think Joyner is the one that kind of mixes the lyricism and the, and the, and the hooks uh, the better. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I did want to mention one of your lines that caught my ear because I just couldn't help but bring it up. So in your track, Rest in Peace, you said, I told you I'm a lion. I'd rather prey on all the goats instead of praying to, to become one. Yeah. To me, that was like, it blew my mind. Like I had to go back and listen to it again. I'm so glad you that one because not a lot of people did. I yeah. actually, that is one of the favorite lines I've ever written. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought, you know, when you can come up with stuff like that, I just love yeah. the imagery of we always talk about goats, but at the end of the day, a lion is the apex predator and hunts the goats. So, yeah, I love that, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was just, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I just, you know, the, the, the wordplay kind of came with the, the word prey, right? Prey and prey. And then, uh, and then I just thought of everyone saying they're the goat and, and uh, wanting to be the goat. Uh, and then I kind of wanted to create that image where no matter how good you think you are, a lion can just eat you, right? So pray, pray on the goat instead of praying to be a goat. Yeah. So did you, when you wrote that, did you just keep that to yourself or were you like, check it out, guys? Like, I think I have a winner. I, I usually don't show any of my lines or wordplay until the song is complete. I usually don't. Uh, maybe like my brother is maybe the, the only person that would get like an exclusive on one wordplay because let's say if I'm with him at that time and I'm writing in my room, 
I'll get hyped, right? If I have a good workplace, I'll just go out of the room and start telling. But um, but other than that, I usually like to have a final product to see what people think. Do you have, have people who are like, all right, it's enough. We've we talked about hip hop enough today. You can you can stop talking about hip hop because that's what I feel like sometimes in my life. They're like, okay, Aaron, just Probably, let's calm down. I think a lot of people think that for sure. I think uh, my ex probably thought that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might be one of the reasons. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think so. I think maybe they don't say it, but I definitely think sometimes they get tired of it because even when we're chilling at home, the first thing I do is play a video or play a freestyle yeah. that I heard. But again, well, yeah, when you're so passionate about something, it's just natural. Yeah, I always say, you know, at the end of the day, this is your career. So people talk yeah. about their jobs all the time and this is your they're career. So, jobs too. Yeah, they're boring too. So at least this is an interesting career that you're, yeah. that you're in. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just comes with the, with the territory. When you're obsessed with something, when you like something, you just want to talk about it all the time. Um, yeah. So um, it just shows. It just shows if you want to talk about it, if you want to bring it up, you like mm -hmm. it. Um, you should keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Before I let you plug some stuff that's coming out and your stuff, I always like to finish on my last question. And that is, if you had to recommend one album for everybody to listen to, regardless if you're a hip hop fan or not, one album that you think everybody should at least listen to, get an appreciation of, what would that be? would be, in my opinion, the greatest album of all time, Marshall Mathers album. There you go. That has to be, not only, it's just amazing to me how lyrical and different that album was at the time and how controversial it was. I mean, no one was saying anything of the things he was saying on the tracks. And it still sold 1.7 million copies in the first week. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I'm always in awe of that album. Uh, definitely his best album, which... Um, which has a huge toll on everything else he did because, um, you know, he always says that he's trying to top that one and it's hard when things were just right at that moment. I guess the climate was the way it was. Uh, it, it goes back on having so much to say as you're starting off. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always, anytime an album of like tech nine, Jay Z, Nas M comes out, I'm always wondering like, what do you have to say now? Cause how yeah. can you be in the game for 20 years and still have, that much inspiration and things to say, and they always somehow um, come up with something, uh, and that's why they're they're always going to be on those top lists. I'm glad it amazes you because it still amazes me for yeah. for artists to still and you know I look artists like Royce. He releases so much music, like it is crazy to me how much music he releases. He does features, he does everything, and he still comes up with you know lyrical music. He still comes up with quality stuff to come out there and now he's moved into producing his own music so yeah know. producing uh he's he's doing I, I i saw that he started a podcast as well with lupe fiasco uh just recently he announced that yesterday uh features is something he he slowed down on a bit i was actually until a couple of weeks ago i was the only feature the only royce feature in 2020 was enough for you which is the song that we that got released in august um i mean feature that you know uh got released as singles during the year yeah I was checking on, on the list, but yeah, but he's, yeah, amazing. And uh, the last album was, was amazing. The allegory so lyrical and so uh, politically charged as well, but still lyrical uh, and still, still very, uh, you know, bar concentrated and punchline concentrated while having very important messages as well. So yeah, those artists are, are, um, 
are amazing. I always, I always try to get better, but when, when a Royce album, when a Tech 9 album, when an Eminem album comes out, kind of like, okay, I, I have to work a lot harder if I want to, I want to reach this level. Yeah, it it's a reality check. It humbles you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, funnily, funnily enough, the first album that we reviewed on this podcast was Royce to Five Nines, The Allegory. It just oh, came out and I was, I'm, I've been obsessed with Royce for a long time. Ever since he did Bad Meets Evil, held the sequel, I've just been absolutely obsessed. I went through his whole back catalogue. So um, that was the first album we actually reviewed on this podcast as well. So um, funny you mention it. Yeah, that's awesome. And then there's a song with Crooked on that album as well that is amazing. Uh, Tricked, I think it's yeah. called. Yeah, that song is amazing. It's a trick. That's yeah. <laughs> they, that's the hook. It's a trick. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, um, before obviously we wrap up um, and, you know, it's... Is it Friday night or it's a Saturday night? Uh, Saturday. Saturday, I think, what is it? 5.30, 5.30 p.m. So obviously, you know, as much as I'm sure you love chatting to me, I don't want to take up all of your Saturday night chatting to me. Um, <laughs> um, I'd let, I'll let you plug, obviously, your stuff. Obviously, you released Invisible and you released the single Raw. You've done features for people that I know with... Crooked, King Crooked. Um, people might know his Crooked Eye, but he's obviously rebranded to King Crooked. Royster yeah. Five Nine as well. So, um, and you've got some big things coming up. So, is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah. So, yeah. As a recap, Invisible came out uh, September eighteenth, uh, uh, reaching a million streams. Um, I'll let everyone know when that happens because that will be a personal achievement. Um, then um, what else? Uh, Raw, Raw came out right after the album. Um, and uh, that was kind of just like talking my, my truth after the album came out. Just to kind of show that I'm still being consistent and that I still want to keep releasing music even after uh, the, the whole project came out. And uh, I think the main thing to look forward to is music videos. As I said, we're going to be releasing a lot of those. Almost one every two, three weeks. Um, so that will be big. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I have a new, the, the kind of the next single for the upcoming album will be Real Ones. That's the song I was mentioning earlier, unreleased. I'll probably be posting a snippet of that. And then just more features and uh, more bigger artists that I'm going to be collaborating with. So that, that's, those are the most kind of, uh, yeah, those are the standouts. Awesome. And uh, your Instagram is versus official. That's versus spelled with a V. So I, I I know for me, when I read it, I, I tried to pronounce it as versus. That's just yeah. me. I had my own moment, but it's yeah. spelled like that. It goes versus. So versus official. You'll find him on Instagram, on, yeah. on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. He's got all his music out there and obviously YouTube channel as well. So stay tuned for those music videos on uh, versus official because he'll be uh, releasing new music and one of, one of the best parts about getting in contact with you, man, was you always let me know when you release new stuff so I can always have an exclusive and check it out. So, yeah, it's my life that, that goes back to me always wanting honest feedback and uh, especially people that are in the hip-hop community and that know, you know, they, they have an ear for it. And those are the people that I value usually the, their opinion the most. So it's always not only a way for promoting my stuff, but it's a way of really getting feedback and just 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 having to hear what, what people have to say hey man well if you ever want to shoot some stuff that you're working on through i'd love to hear it um i think you're you're very impressive in terms of such a young career but i think there's a lot of potential there and i'm realistically mean that um 
just yeah. just based yeah. on little lines like the one that we quoted in this in this yeah. uh, podcast i think there's a lot to build on and obviously the more you do you know and that's showing with the people you're you're getting in contact with you know people who are not the easiest to get in hold of so um i think you yeah. should be happy with where you're heading and it sounds like you've got the right team behind you supporting you in your career as well yeah i hope so man thank you i appreciate that thanks all good man well when you release your new stuff we can uh grab you on the podcast again we can just talk about your journey with that um and then right. obviously hopefully you can come down to australia and we can actually hang out face to face or otherwise yeah, when be the first one to know if i ever if i ever make it <laughs> for sure otherwise hopefully in melbourne we'll be out of lockdown and hopefully we'll be able to travel soon but yeah man thank you very much appreciate you coming on the show thank you man have a great day you too thanks for listening to the show please like subscribe and follow us on instagram at the underscore slim fitty biggie committee and stay tuned for our next podcast bye for now